This is the Day Camp Pod from Go Camp Pro, bringing you the best ideas, strategies, and discussions in the day camp industry. You can find our show notes at daycamppodcast.com. Welcome back, my friends, to the Day Camp Podcast. This is Andy Pritikin, Director of Liberty Lake in the Philly suburbs of New Jersey. And I am joined today by the one and only Dave Tenson from Camp Tamarack out in in. in it's the it's the would you say Greater Chicago, Lincolnshire, or suburbs, Lincolnshire, Lincolnshire, Illinois, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and we were just talking about Dave's uh, Midwestern football uh, history out there. So where'd you go to college, Dave? University of Iowa. Look at that, Hawkeye, a Buckeye, right? And they got, Hawkeye. They have, yeah, Hawkeye. Oh, Hawkeye, right? They, Hawkeye. And they got quite a good uh, quite a good basketball team this year. Um, as they do most years. Um, yeah. Um, in a way, like when you're in the Northeast, we don't have that whole, like, you know, college, like football and basketball vibe. Like you guys have, we're more crazy about the pro sports. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because of the lack of, of great teams like that, you know, like you got, you know, Illinois and all these great, you know, Wisconsin, you know, Minnesota, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. No big Ten's good this year. Yeah. So, so Dave and I know each other because um, of, my time that I go out to ACA national where Dave has been on the committee there for the national conference for years and, and now is helping put together the big um, virtual thing that is coming up right now. I mean, this might actually come out in the middle of it. Who knows? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. 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 So that, that's gotta be a challenge. Um, what is the, one of the biggest challenges that you're having with that right now? Um, you know, I, I've been on the team now for, I don't know, seven, eight years. And the, the big challenge is just making that transition to virtual, um, you know, and, and rethinking, you know, how do you, how do you do it with the same level of connectedness and the same level of connection that you have at a national conference in person when everybody's going to be sitting in their home offices or their homes or their yeah. offices, wherever they're going to be, you know, for the conference. So, yeah. and as camp, um, as camp professionals, we have a high bar on what that, human connectivity can be right we do and 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 i think at this point you know almost a year now into the into the pandemic i think that the fatigue for for zoom and and uh you know internet connection is is probably pretty high so yeah. uh, you know okay. trying to find new and creative ways to to, to deliver you know that expectation that's yeah. uh that's been the that's been the biggest problem so far i think so, so Dave is known to his friends and colleagues as being a camp operator that is also a business guy that also sort of understands the ins and outs of it. Um, I think a lot of camp professionals who come up through the ranks of being teachers and educators, youth development people, like they run great camps, but sometimes, you know, especially when a pandemic bops around, it helps to have a business background. So, so Dave, why don't you just give them a little two minute, like, you know, how you got here kind of thing. I uh, I started out of Iowa at the University of Iowa. I started with uh, with Nabisco and traveled the country working for them, selling just as a salesperson, and then a sales manager, and then a division sales manager. And at one point, I had uh, pretty much most of the Southeast uh, living in Nashville. Moved a lot, uh, and 20 years ago, now 22 years ago, almost uh, got the opportunity to come back and. Uh, by the camp that my wife owned or my wife had worked at when she was in college. So my wife's a teacher, educator. Uh, we had had a good relationship with the former owner of Tamarack. And uh, he decided one day that we would be a pretty good fit to take over. So my wife handles the program and the teaching aspect. 
um, of the school. We have a, we have a preschool early childhood program uh, and uh, the camp program. And then I manage payrolls and business and contracts and hiring and personnel and all the other stuff that goes into, into running the business. So, so we're kind of a, we're kind of a tag team on the program and, and, uh, uh, and business side, which so far, 22 years in knock on wood works out pretty well. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had Lucia on, um, on a, on a prior podcast, the occlusion podcast, and she is quite a smart lady. There was no doubt about it. An expert yeah. in the field. Um, yeah, that's quite a deal. And, and, you know, a lot of camps are, are, you know, having tough times right now with the pandemic, especially the ones that didn't run, but you and I have been in touch like, uh, because we did run last summer that, um, you know, as tough as things have been, we're in a fortunate financial situation, you know, compared to many and oh, Dave, yeah. you, and you have a school that's been going. Yeah. yeah we have the school. We started running in person. Uh, we, we, well, when the, you know, when every, the lockdown hit last March, we, uh, we went remote, uh, ran remote school for uh, the rest of the school year until the end of May. So we ran it for two and a half months remote and, uh, you know, had a little bit of blowback from people on, about having to go remote for the preschool. But, um, you know, we delivered a really good project uh, product. We got a great team of teachers. We have 28 teachers on staff for the school and they did amazing work. And, uh, and we finished out really strong. And so we got to go back live in September when school started back up, we got to run for, uh, for almost the entire summer for camp. And, uh, up until about last, well, last week, uh, we've been able to, to, to keep everybody healthy and, and, uh, you know, other than a, a, a couple COVID cases in our family, uh, in our families at school, we've, uh, we've run pretty much, uh, COVID free. So yeah, and I remember speaking to you back when the pandemic first hit and uh, you were getting that blowback by your family. And it really, it really sort of got me a little worried when, you know, your parents were like, Hey, listen, we use your school, um, you know, which you could replace with the word camp um, for childcare. And now you're not providing childcare. You know, yeah. you, you say you're providing this really great virtual product. Yeah, but that's wonderful, but I got to go to work, <laughs> you know? So, um, must've been a tough situation. And it got me thinking like, geez, what's going to happen, you know, when summer rolls around with camp, if, if yeah. I'm in that situation, you know? Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, well, and, and, you know, the hard thing is, is it's so, you know, you know, all of our kids for, for school are under four, right? So, um, you know, a lot of these kids have older siblings and they were on remote lessons as well. And it's really hard for parents to manage, you know, remote lessons for their kids in elementary school. Um, when they're on for four or five, six hours a day on remote. Um, and then they're trying to manage, you know, preschool for their kids for, you know, two or three or four hours a day. And uh, it's a real challenge for them. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. So, so, um, so the pandemic hits, right? Everybody's freaking out, right? And uh, one of the things we talked about was uh, the PPE purchasing, how crazy it was. And, and personally, you know, I overpaid, you know, for a lot of stuff because people were in panic mode in like April when you couldn't find stuff, you know, we were like, okay, if we open, we're going to need, you know, a lot of this, you know, whether it's hand sanitizer or whatever, cleaning products, masks, whatever. Um, and you got sort of fortunate, it seems like, um, with that. I, you know what I did? I waited it out. I mean, at one point, Andy, no kidding. I was going to hook up my big utility trailer to my truck and drive to Duluth, Minnesota 
to pick up 55 gallon drums of distilled hand sanitizer. Right. You know, cause that was the best place we could find it. And I think it was going to run us about $45 a gallon. And, you know, it was like, you know, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do with these 55 gallon drums of hand sanitizer when I get back to camp? And yet, so, you know, I kind of, I just kind of waited it out and I waited until about two weeks before camp started and found a local distillery that was uh, selling, you know, 80% plus hand sanitizer. Um, and I got it for less than $25 a gallon. And, uh, uh, I still ended up buying probably two times what I, what I needed for the summer. So I think I'm going to yeah. be good for 21 as well. Right. But, uh, but yeah, we just, we kind of waited it out and, uh, um, we ended up kind of making our own bottles and, you know, kind of yeah. no, what you had to do places. And yeah, no, that's so. great. I mean, it was a great lesson of not panicking. You know, it, that, that's what that, that's what that tells me. Uh, you also got fortunate. You told me that you had a relationship with a local um, medical team that was able to do same day testing. Yeah. Yeah. I that mean, that's was unbelievable. And, 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 you know, just kind of going into 21, I mean, you know, you never know how good your COVID plan is until you actually have a case of COVID at camp, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, <laughs> it turned out day one at four o'clock, I had a staff member call after the very first day of camp um, and tell me that he, he had been exposed over the July 4th weekend and, and was going to, you know, was obviously going to, you know, miss camp and had to get a PCR test and it was going to be up to a week. And, you know, we were suddenly faced with the reality that we needed to find a place to test the staff that he'd been around and, uh, and the kids, you know, that, that he was with and we had as good as our plan was. And I think we had a pretty solid plan going into the summer. We hadn't, I don't think we'd really thought through that aspect of it as much as we should have, you know, and, uh, and, uh, found a family, uh, or through a family at camp, found a, a great resource, um, 15, 20 minute testing, uh, the rapid test. Um, they gave it to us. I think it was, we were paying $75 a rapid test which was a great price. I think it's still a pretty decent price for mm-hmm. most of the retail places around here. Um, and, and they were willing to accommodate us. So, um, you know, going through the rest of the summer last year for the, you know, for the remaining 35 days of camp that we had or whatever it was, um, you know, we were able to, if a staff person came in and said a member of their family was sick um, or had been exposed, there was an exposure, we were able to get them tested rapidly, um, you know, we're, we're in the day camp world, so we can't form that bubble like some of the overnight camps did so successfully, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and it was nice to have that flexibility so that we could act very proactively um, and be able to, you know, know if we had limited an exposure and if our system was working, um, which fortunately it did. We made it through the rest of the summer and didn't have any problems, um, had a lot of scares mm-hmm. um, and had a few staff people that had to, uh, to sit out for a quarantine period because family members uh, had been exposed over the summer, but it worked out really well. So, um, well, I think a lesson in there is that it's, it's really, it's really, you know, camps need to do their due diligence 
And you cannot expect your staff or your families to find these places to get testing. You should you should have all that stuff set up as a resource for them to help them out. Because yes. you're sitting here saying like we had a plan, and then once this, you know it's like the Mike Tyson like when you get hit in the jaw thing. It's like the plan sort of okay. Now <laughs> now we got to deal with human emotions too, and that just takes the plan and, and sticks it on its head for a second. Um, so if you have a lot of these places in place, and you can you can provide resources to people, um, because the same thing happens to a family. When, when they're presented with it. They don't necessarily know where to go either. Well, and there are a lot of places that you could, you know, anybody could go. There's a lot of, there's a ton of places to go to get tested, you know, now. And and even last year when camp started, you know, you could have gone to CVS, Walgreens was doing it. We were starting to get the pop-up COVID testing labs um, that, that, were, that were performing them as well, kind of later in the summer and later in the year. Um, but to have a physician's office that was able to manage it, it was reputable. Um, you know, and, and we could say, okay, we have this connection. You can take them there and take care of it. Um, and, and that really made the difference. It made the difference, especially for our staff, because we were able to act as quickly as we were, as right. opposed to sending them to a CVS or a Walgreens, which, yep. you know, and I think at the time, even the CVSs and the Walgreens were still doing the three to five day tests. Yep. So, and that's um, a pain in the neck. Yep. Yeah. It was a pain in the neck. The rapids were, were key. So, so speaking of rapids, where I'm, I'm keeping moving on on subjects because there's a mini pod, so we got where rapid is hitting you. So, um, you know, one of the one of the reasons I really like you, Dave, is because you're like a no bullshit guy, right? Which I think <laughs> I am too, right? And and, and when we had when when the you know what started hitting the fan, um, you know, we 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 really had to communicate to our parents and our staff like transparently. Uh, all the time, like constantly, all that kind of thing. And I think a lot of camps who sort of always communicated in just like sunshine and watermelon and everything's beautiful kind of thing, they got to throw in a curveball that they weren't used to hitting, you know, which yeah. is, so, so why don't you tell me a little about like, you know, your approach to communication during all this? Well, you know, like, like most other camps that register early, we start registering, you know, in September for, mm-hmm. for the next year. Um, I, I had, I had a full enrollment last March, March 1st, and I collect money on the first of every month, mm-hmm. you know, for people that wanted to extend payments, things like that. The very first thing we did was quit collecting money. And I started, I think, I, I think I started writing my letter to my parents on March 1st because I knew it was coming. I, I knew sooner or later we were going to be locked down. So, I mean, I so, was at Tri-State having a party and you were already <laughs> writing a letter to your parents. Like, I'm already writing a letter. So proactive. <laughs> and, and so, and so I, I, I wrote the letter, the, the kind of the first COVID letter, and I mailed it out on 316. And we went to lockdown in Illinois on 315. Wow, so, awesome. you know, and, and my, first, my first thing I let off with was, hey, we're not collecting any more money until we know what the summer is going to look like. We think there's going to be camp in some capacity. We don't know what it's going to be at this point. Stand by. You know, I was I was as specific as I could be without, you know, going into mm-hmm. making promises that I couldn't keep. Um, but I didn't want to incite panic with our families either. And having people start asking for refunds for camp, you right. know, in, in March, you know, and kind of well, set yeah. up no, that no. off panic with them. So, um, so, what, so what about your staff, though? I mean, you're probably close to fully staffed at that point, too. Yeah, I was about 80%. Right. And I told staff, hey, look, I don't know what the summer's going to look You know, it's the, same, the same thing. You know, I don't know what the summer's going to look like. We think we're going to have camp. Stand by. We'll let you know what we end up doing. Right. And so, uh, 
it's, you know, that I, I, my pet peeve word is uncertainty. Like, yeah. of course there's uncertainty, you know? Um, but you know, I've, I've been, I've become a Brene Brown nerd big time. And, and in her, uh, dare to lead book, which I bought for, I bought 40 copies for my top leadership people in my camp over this, cause you know, I was so, I was so proud of them for making it through the summer. You know, um, she talks about courage being able to head into something, not knowing necessarily what it's going to look like. Right. And, yeah. and that's what we were asking them to do. So we had to have some kind of confidence, but we also had to be honest at the same time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and in that, as soon as we found out we were able to go and we found out June 1st, you know, and I started running camp on with the staff on June 24th, I had Woo! 23 days Woo! to finish hiring, re-register all my families, give the people that were registered the opportunity to either join for the summer or drop for the summer. Um, you know, I mean, it was the busiest yeah. 20 and, and an interesting part, you just, you touched on it is that a lot of families, cause I was in the same boat, although we were, we started, uh, we weren't allowed to start until July 7th, I think. Uh, so we had a couple more weeks than you, but, um, but that point of a lot of parents didn't pull their kids out at that point because they didn't want to tell their kids that they couldn't go to camp. They wanted Dave to tell them that they couldn't go to camp. And then when you were given the green light to run, now they had to, you know, should have get off the pot and they had to, they had to tell, they had to decide the parents had to decide, you know, which put them in a tough situation. You know, but we, but when we started on the, on those June letters, man, and I remember writing them because they, we were using a tone with our parents that we've never used before. It was one of those where it's like, Hey, look, here's the deal. You're either in or you're out. And if you're out, you know, then, you know, you're out because we're going to be limited. We're going to have a, a lower capacity on purpose. You need to let us know. And, and, oh, by the way, if you're planning on traveling this summer, this isn't the summer to be here. Oh no. Oh no. And I can't, I can't guarantee you're not going to have, you know, we're not going to have COVID at camp. So, yeah. you know, I can't make that promise to you. Yeah. All right, Dave. So uh, uh, talking about, um, you know, the lead up to last summer, um, one of the things that you and I also have in common is uh, the government advocacy stuff, right? And um, can you just talk about like what you guys did in Illinois to sort of help grease the wheels, let's say, to get camps to run? Like, you know. Uh, you know, in terms of kind of as a, uh, you know, we don't have, we, we, we don't have anything. I mean, what, what, whatever we did last year was all entirely on me. Really? And, and yeah, we didn't, we, um, we don't have a huge level of advocacy really from anybody here um, in terms of lobbying on behalf of independent camps. There aren't that many independent camps in Illinois anyway. Um, we, we have a lot of agency camps, a lot of YMCA camps and programs like that, which are great, but um, you know, not a lot of the independent guys. So anything that we do, we've pretty much, uh, kind of done on our own. And I did all of mine basically working through the local health department and, uh, my, uh, local state reps, um, mm -hmm. and, and just started the communication trail with them early on in March. Um, you know, just letting them know we're here and we're, you know, we're, we're big employers, uh, you know, families are counting on us for childcare, um, you know, and, and as this thing dragged on into May, you know, and they were kind of leading us with the care a little bit, you know, and kind of, oh, you know, we might do this, we might do this, we might do this. And we were never, we were not getting any communication from, you know, from the, uh, from the state at all. Um, you know, I really kind of started leaning in a little bit on those contacts, 
Um, even, even working through my local, uh, us rep too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and started working with him a little bit. Um, did a couple news conferences with him, um, talking about PPP loans and small business, uh, you know, small business loans and, you know, kind of helping other small businesses work through the process. So, um, you know, we, we kind of went from having a modest amount of contact with our local elected officials um, and state officials to really kind of dialing it up a little bit. And, and I can't, you know, I can't say enough about us self-advocating. Um, you know, if you don't have a lobby group, you know, in your state or as an association, you know, speaking out as an independent citizen and let them know, you know, I mean, these are big small businesses that, you know, that, that, that camps are running. Um, that affect a lot of people. They affect a lot of people. I mean, yeah. and also have an economic impact on a lot of people, right? Between the parents that are using you for childcare, the staff who that is their summer job, right? And they're taking all that money that you spend and they're they're spending it themselves and all the vendors that you use, right? Like yeah. if you if you look at that dollar, it just goes on and on and on. And, and you know, the great story I always tell about that is Doug Fullman, um, who was a, like a legendary uh, uh, Boy Scout guy in this area. When he was getting some local grief from his local government for one of his Boy Scout camps, he decided to pay his staff that year in uh, $2 bills. <laughs> okay. There you go. Yep. He, he paid them in $2 bills for one of their payrolls. And because he wanted the local staff you know, businesses to be flooded with these $2 bills, but what is going on? And then he said, you see what I'm talking about? Oh, I love that. Isn't that great? Love that. Yeah. 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 I, I love what you're saying, Dave. I, I, I think it's, it's really important for people. I, I think that one of the silver linings of this pandemic is that for the camps that ran, I hope a lot of people see that that self-advocacy is really worth something that you cannot rely on your just government alone. You can't just cross your fingers and hope that everything works out. You have to be a squeaky wheel and you have to do the things that it takes and, and, and speaking out and, and using all of the, of the skills you have, your social skills to talk to, like you said, state representatives, county representatives, health department officials. You even said federal, right? Federal people like your house of representatives, people. Yeah. This is what they're there for. They're working for us. Okay. We impact a lot of people. We're a feel good story. We take care of other people's children for God's sakes. We're not a gas station, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. Use Use the goodwill that we have. And if you think, if you feel guilty about, you know, writing a letter a week to your state rep, what are they there for? You know, they're there for us. Not the other way around. Um, I my my local health department when we finally got our regulations the first the first of January of June um, from the state, most of them were pretty easy to implement and they made sense. You know, in terms of capacity, in terms of group sizes, in terms of creating the the cohorts of the pods and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Some of them were absolutely ridiculous, like the water bottle law that said, you know, we weren't allowed to use anything except single-use water bottles for kids. I had 500 kids last, I had 500 kids last year and 170 staff, you know. So I, yeah. I, I'm looking at 700 water bottles times three a day. And so I called my local health department and I said, you know, how do we get around this? And they're like, well, we can't get around it. And I said, okay, well, just take the scenario. I'm going to have 35,000 water bottles a, a week that I'm going to be dumping into the landfill. Or, or send it to the, you know, the recycler. I don't think they even recycle. No, they, they, at some point, they'd be like, we can't take anymore. I said, now, I've already made arrangements to get 35,000 water bottles a week, and it's going to be a real headache for me. And and if that's what I have to do, that's what I have to do. I don't want to do it. How can we get around that? And as soon as, you, as soon as I approached him with that, he's like, 
man, that's a lot. I don't want to be responsible for that. I said, yeah, "Yeah, you know, I've got four or five other camps around me. You know, I mean, we're going to be putting 250,000 water bottles, you know, a summer into the landfill. We can't do that. And, and, and just kind of having that communication with him, he's like, yeah, okay. And, and so we started working backwards from there and created a plan that we were able to make sure the kids stayed hydrated. We did it in a way that, you know, still kind of met the spirit of the regulation, but. What'd you do? Um, we ended up using water coolers, but the staff had to um, pour the water. So we, we just got big Coleman coolers. We mm-hmm. tons of Coleman coolers, right. you know, and, and just put jug water, gallon jugs of water in these coolers all over camp. And they refilled um, their water bottles. And then refilled their water bottles yeah. or fill plastic cups. Yeah. You know, we had, and we had food service gloves and we kind of went through that whole, you know, we kind of had mm-hmm. to jump, still jump through some hoops that I don't think really it would have made any difference at all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the big thing was taking out that touch point um, to the health department. And as long as we were able to meet that, I ended up saving a boatload of money and water. Um, and, yeah. you know, environmentally, it was much safer and much better. And, and you know, but but had I not asked that question, we never would have gotten to that point. Right. My grandmother used to say, speak up or get crapped on. That was yeah. my grandmother's motto. And um, we turned our uh, water fountains into water bottle filling stations, which was which was nice. Um, but I think, again, you know, what I tell my camp colleagues, you know, having gone through a summer like us, like we did, is never take what you're told at face value. Never. Right. No. You can all, first of all, you can be creative with it. It's all up to interpretation. And second of all, if it's completely messed up, make us think about it. You know, like you got yeah. it. You can't just roll over and be like, because I think a lot of camps, when they first saw this is what you have to do, they were like, okay, we're out. And they they literally just took it at face value like that and bailed, you know, as opposed to trying to think about how to be creative or how to push back. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and my, and my, the thing I was worried about was I was going to have a health inspector come out and we're managing something, meeting the spirit of the regulation, but it's really awkward. It's really cumbersome. It's, it's, not going to work as well as if we tried to work around it. And then, and then I'm even going to be in, you know, more of a pinch with them because we're creating another problem by trying to, you know, implement a stupid rule. Yeah. You know? And so we got to speak up for ourselves and, and, you know, if you don't have an advocate and even if you do have an advocate, you got to advocate for yourself too. Yep. And speak up. Although I do recommend you guys make an, an, an Illinois independent camps uh, advocacy group, find a lobbyist, pay them for a part-time salary and, and have that in at, yeah. us, at, uh, at the state, you know, level, because it's, it's one of the best things we ever did here in New Jersey. It really is. Uh, the woman we have is just a godsend to us. Um, all right. So moving forward. Okay. So what should camps be doing now, Dave? Like, like, like what advice do you have for people, you know, moving forward from now to, to this summer? I mean, you're in a very fortunate position. You, you ran a successful summer your 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 enrollment is great for next year um but you know thinking about like how you know people are nervous people people are nervous so you know they're worried about this and that you know capital improvements spending money all that kind of thing um any stage advice um you gotta plan on running yeah you got, number one thing number one i mean you, I, and I understand, you know, some programs that work with you know with with uh, special populations and and maybe they're a little bit more hesitant you got to plan yeah. No, non not for profits who whose whose staffs have all been furloughed except for a half time person and things like that. Like yeah. you gotta figure out a way to run. 
you've got to figure out a way to run, number one. And number two, you got to be doing the same things right now in, in January and February that you would do two years ago in January and February, or you would normally do in January or February. Register those families. Get those families in. Do tours. Do virtual tours or, you know, do socially distant tours. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, really, and really sell, sell the idea that we need to do this. Um, and, you know, and, and our populations need camp and we need to run camp. Um, and I, and that's the number one thing, whatever we should be hiring staff, um, because even if you, even if you're a, a no now and you get the word to go in the middle of May, if you wait until the middle of May to register your families and hire your staff, you're never going to be able to run in the summer, you know, and, and, and you just need to keep that. I, and I'm, and it's not, you know, I'm not trying to talk about, you know, farting rainbows or anything on this, but you really need to have that positive <laughs> attitude that, you know, that you are. <laughs> yes. No, you have to, you have to, you have to exude confidence. Plain and if simple. You if, you're, if you're not, yeah, if you're not showing confidence to, to your potential client base, then how are they going to be confident to plunk their money down with you? You know, and, and you can set that and you can set that level of expectation and confidence, but also keeping it real with them saying, Hey, look, you know, we're anticipating to run. We don't know what it's going to look like. So we're not going to take your money yet. We're not going to take any money until we know what we're going to do. You know, we're going to have ref- a, a, a very, very liberal refund policy for you. Mm-hmm. All those things that you need to do to build that confidence with those parents, you should be doing. Yeah. You know, because I think, and we're going to find a way to run this year. And I think we're going to be successful. And, and by the way, don't tell me you don't know what it's going to look like this summer. We sort of do. It's going to look like sort of like last summer. All right. You know, if it looks any bit better than that, then God bless. But, but pretty much we do know like the camps that ran, we, we, we're fortunate that we have a model now to work well, off. Of. I think worst case scenario, it's going to look like last summer. Right. Exactly. Now, personally, I believe between vaccinations and, and, you know, people managing and mitigating better than we did last year, I think we're probably going to be in a situation where, um, we're going to be masked primarily on the bus, transportation, enclosed areas, inside areas. Um, I think we're probably going to see some uh, 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 some easing on the regulations in terms of cohorts and groups. I think that we're going to be able to make the groups a little bit bigger, um, which is going to make programming a ton easier for us and, and for anybody that runs. Um, I, are we still going to have some COVID things? Absolutely. Are we still going to have to worry about, you know, hand sanitation and, and some of the other sanitation practices we adopted last year? Absolutely. But um, I think it's going to look like last year and maybe a little bit easier. Yeah. Well, w- what you're describing is a little bit easier is what we had in New Jersey, by the way. So because we have an advocacy group, but, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I agree. I, it's, it's, that's what it's going to be. You know, we've talked to our local boards of health and, they ain't loosening things up that much. There's no way. Yeah. The yeah. vaccine's only going to go so far, you know, by the time the summer comes and it certainly ain't going to happen with the kids and all. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's still going to be great. You know, no matter what the guidelines or whatever they throw at us, it's going to be happy children playing with happy children with run by happy staff, you know, and if you're outdoors, all the better. And it'll be, it'll be great. And, and yeah. think how much they're going to, how much they're going to appreciate it. I mean, Dave, think, think about like how rewarding it was last summer. And the kids were only coming out of four months of this crap, right? There's going to be kids enrolled in our camp that are going to be coming out of 16 months of that. Of that. Exactly. Blow their minds. It's going to be oh. the greatest experience of their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, you talk about other things that camp should be doing right now. We need to be looking at, at things you can do that, that are different from what you've normally offered. You know, can you offer a spring break camp 
So you kind of start putting some of these practices into, or some of these new policies into practice, these new ideas into, you know, so maybe you're running 35 or 40 kids for a week on a spring break camp, you know, but you're going to make a little money and you're going to figure out what works and what doesn't. And you're going to show confidence. You're going to show people that you know how to have people at your site and, and do it safely. We're thinking about having like a Easter Easter dinner thing at our place, you know, and and catering it and uh, Passover and Mother's Day and things like that. Like, yeah, you got to think out of the box. It, this yeah. can't be, well, this is what we're used to doing. Like, we're done with that. You know, just I, like when the recession hit 12 years ago, whatever, you know, it's it's over. It's a new way of thinking I, now. Eight weeks of fall camp last, last fall. I've never mm-hmm. run a fall program before. I always had the school here. Um, and, and and I've got my park district program that we took over about 15 years ago from the local park district that we've been running in the summer. You know, I've already, I'm already, I'm already running two or three programs out of my camp. We, I wanted to run it last year. I needed the, uh, I I needed the perception in the community. The money was nice, you know, a little bit of extra camp revenue, um, you know, help pay some bills, but, but, you know, desperate times call for, for new ideas. Yep. It is. Uh, you know, I ended up running a hundred kids a day for eight weeks, uh, oh. right up until daylight savings time. Oh, you're lucky. Uh, a lot of, I, I know a lot of camps that tried that couldn't get that many kids. I mean, we're, yeah. we're, we're both friends with Sam Thompson and she's working her tail off in her park district area. They don't even have numbers like that. You know, that's, yeah. that's wonderful that you got that. Yeah. Um, but, right, we got, we got to cut it short. It's a, it's a mini awesome. pod. This is, this is now a mega mini pod. It's officially <laughs> okay. Um, is that a new classification for it's this? It's a new classification. It's like a, like a pregnant mini pod. It's basically what, well, we, what we've built. Hey, today. Andy, as always, man, it's great to talk with you. Um, you know, uh, always, always walk away with great ideas and more enthusiasm and, and well, uh, ready to go out and, 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 and take names and, and kick tails. So. That's right. Well, look, this is, you know, our relationship, you know, it's ACA based, right? And both of us are big time ACA volunteers and we do it, you know, because we want to make the world a better place, but we also do it selfishly because we great, we make great people and, and get great ideas, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, I, I always, I always walk out of these with more ideas and, more enthusiasm that I ended up walking in with. So for that, I'm appreciative. I appreciate all you guys do with, uh, with, uh, the, the day camp pod and, and, uh, Thanks, go I appreciate it. All right. Well, we want to thank our GoCamp Pro team, Matt Hansberger, our producer, AM Skyer, and commercial recreation specialist for allowing us to bring this podcast to you. And if you like what you hear, you should subscribe to the Day Camp Pod on your favorite podcast platform. Check out the show notes from this and other episodes at daycamppodcast.com, as well as contact info on the show on our guest, Dave Tenson, and um, our wonderful co-host, Sam and Tiff. Thanks for listening and making yourself a better Day Camp Pro. We'll be back next week with another full episode of the Day Camp. The Day Camp Podcast is brought to you by Go Camp Pro and the Go Camp Pro Podcast Network. Find a podcast for camp professionals of every age and stage at gocamp.pro slash podcast. Thanks for listening, friends. Hey, Camp Pros, we love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, we hope that whenever you share an idea that you learn from the Camp Hacker Podcast, conference, summer camp professionals group, or wherever else, that you're quick to give credit where credit is due. That way, we can all encourage more camp pros to share the tips and tricks that will make camp better.